Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Hello again, friends. You're on the Insecurity Project. It's 10-minute Tuesday time. How to change your beliefs about yourself. Uh, Look, this is the central mechanics of overcoming insecurity, really, another way of thinking about it. Uh, Insecurity is in the form of beliefs. In fact, every challenge, every issue, every gap between where you are now and where you want to be is in the form of a limiting belief and specifically a limiting belief about yourself. So if you can understand the mechanics of how these beliefs are formed and know how they are changed, well, then you can alter the course of your life. You can overcome obstacles. You can eradicate eradicate limitations. You can um, close the gap between where you are now and where you would like to be. So here's how this works. Uh, Number one, observe patterns of behavior that are incongruent with your goals or values. So that presupposes you have goals or values, and that is the place to start. Start with what you want. Start with the end in mind. Stephen Covey says that is one of the habits of highly effective people. They know where they're heading and they they, they work their way backwards from there. So uh, behavior never lies. Behavior is always evidence of belief. Uh, if, if, you're, if you've got a change strategy that is focused on behavior management, that will let you down. That might create some immediate and short-term change, but it can't create long-term transformation simply because behavior is never the problem. It, it flows purely out of your beliefs. It's the end of the assembly line. So you observe the behavior, but that is your way into the process to, heart, to help you understand your beliefs. So you start with what you want. Then you notice what is not aligned with what you want and observe the patterns. Now, now two is a pattern. My former business partner, Rob Holmes, always used to say two is a pattern. And so if you can get a bit of distance and objectivity from your own life and notice the fact that these things keep showing up, and it's likely they're showing up a lot more times than just two, you've got something to work with. Now you have a way in to the process. Rather than if you start from the other end and go, I'm just going to go change my beliefs about myself. Well, where do I start? What do I do? Where do I focus? Start, start with this end. Start with what you want. Notice the behavior that's not in line, then work your way backwards from there. Number two, ask what you must believe about yourself in order to behave this way. People imagine they believe all kinds of wonderful things about themselves, but behavior never lies. It is the pure representation of our beliefs. People work perfectly. The results you're getting now are the exact results you've designed your system to produce. And your, beha- your, your beliefs is the structure of that setup producing your current behavior. So when you can hold yourself in the space and realize that behavior never lies, so you might think you believe wonderful things, but if that were true, you would, you would behave differently. But you've noticed a pattern of behavior not in line with what you want. So that's your reference point. And then you, you have to understand that in order to behave like that as a pattern, there must be a belief that sustains that. Again, it gives you a further way into the clarity around this. It, you are all the way 
reducing the field of possibilities of where you're going to focus your energy and your attention right into the core issue. When you ask, what must you believe about yourself in order to behave this way, this reveals the deep structure behind your results. Structure is beautiful because then you can deconstruct and reconstruct. Number three, work your way backwards to the very first time you decided this was true. See, origins set the filter for future experiences that just bolster the initial assumption that you've made until it's locked in with certainty and it forms a belief. Uh, Now, you might not be consciously aware of the first time. You might think that it's always been like this or just evolved over time or you picked it up by osmosis or just the modeling that you had in the family you grew up in. But there is always an origin. If you think logically that if you were to go all the way back to where you began, you began in a place of purity, as potential, as energy. There is no reason for you to have any limiting belief about that because you hadn't done anything to diminish you. No one had done anything to diminish you. You hadn't entered the world yet. So at some point as you've journeyed forward in the progression of you becoming you, taking on a name, taking on expectations, taking on relationships and roles, something's gone down and you've decided the reason it went down is because you were no good. So there must be an origin. If you're not aware of it, that's fine, but reduce the field of possibilities. If you set your reticular activating system to seek out the answer to that question it's amazing what comes up for you number four go back to that point and review all the data so when memories become apparent when defining moments start revealing themselves then go back and review all the data so the experience is misdirection all the action happened in the answering of the two sense making questions why is this happening and what does it mean about me So there is a personalization of the experience. That's the real piece in the puzzle that creates the belief in the first place. Don't imagine that you believe you're no good just because someone told you you were terrible or someone didn't love you enough or someone was unkind to you. It's when that happened, you got to decide why it was happening and what it meant about you. That's the data you're most interested in reviewing. All the experience is misdirection. As Don Miguel Ruiz so beautifully says, no one has the power to bless you or curse you without your permission. So the blessing and the curse is the personalization. It is your agreement with words. Now, number five, use your adult skills to give the child, and it is always a child who personalized. All the research suggests that by the time we're seven, we've made up our mind about who we are and how the world works. So it's likely you are going back to a time before you were seven. So use your adult skills to give the child more awareness and more choice. Validate the child's sense-making paradigm before enlarging it. This is really important. If you try and rescue the child from a distance, which I've done a a whole podcast episode about, then the child still feels hurt and misunderstood. You've actually got to go back and understand the world from their world first, from their eyes, from their pain, to see how they were experiencing it before you can then give them the gift of doubt, which is to say, well, sure, this this was your experience, but what were you missing? What else could be true? Where were you wrong? and then leading them to a bigger place. So remember, this started as an opinion problem before it became a belief. And opinions are the lowest form of knowing anything, therefore the easiest thing to change. Uh, 
New data makes old data obsolete. So when you go back to the child, give the child more awareness and more choice, then it's not like you have to constantly go back again and again and again. The new data that you've brought, giving the child the ability to see an alternate reality, stuff they could never have seen in the moment, that they can now see about what was actually happening around them, about what the pain was going on in their parents, about the challenges their friends were going through, about the pain in the world that was a, was projected onto them and they thought it was about them when really it was never about them, not ever. Number six, decide on an improved map or meaning that is likely to get you more of what you want. Back to the starting point, back to hang on, what do you want again? Remember, that's the whole reason for this. So it has to come full circle. So what would you like to believe about the situation? And specifically, how would you like to answer the sense-making questions? You know, it's we're not looking for the truth here because the truth doesn't exist in these situations. All we're dealing with is story. We are storytellers. We are making stuff up. So if a child made, made up the first story, we'll help the child go make a better story, bring more tools, more awareness, more choice to improve the quality of that story. What would, what, what would you like the story to say? If it's all untrue, well, then pick an untrue story that serves you and gets you more of what you want. But make sure the child buys into this and decides to take this new narrative as the true story, as the right story, as the believable story. And then finally, reinforce this new choice through the story state strategy model. So there's a bit of work to do, I, I think maybe for three or four weeks, which is all, until you, you create some inertia around the new choice around meaning and it becomes the default, just like you created inertia early on when you decided that the opinion was true, look for evidence to bolster that, reinforce the opinion, and then it became certain and true and a belief. Same is happening now. You, you change the meaning, you pick a better story, but there's some work to do to reinforce that story. And you use the story state strategy model. So begin your day aligning yourself to that story as your priority, as your most important work. Then go prime your state and then go do work. So live as, the, live as though this new story is entirely true, even though you know it is a story. You can stop reinforcing this story as soon as it becomes the new default setting, and it is what naturally takes over when in doubt, when, when triggered, when challenged, when, when anxious, the default that you return to is a beautiful story, a story that empowers you, a story that is aligned to what you want rather than the old story, the one that was negative, disempowering and limiting you. Then you notice behavior change. Your behavior cannot not change because it is the end of the assembly line. People work perfectly. If you change the inner world, the outer world must reflect that. I hope that's useful. Feel free to email or reach out in DMs around any questions you've got around this. Uh, but this structure, it's not complicated. Uh, it's, there's some difficult things to it, sure. But if you remain in this process, you can change any belief about yourself. And if you can change any belief, well, then you also can change any behavior. Hope that's useful. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project Podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.